swing and a drive, deep to left center field, going, going, goodbye baseball! This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss, strike three, that's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle, oh what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Everything in baseball is contagious, whether it be great play, whether it be the feelings of a fan base. Look back earlier this summer, the Mariners won 14 straight games. Everybody was on fire for this team, and they still are on fire for this team. In fact, the the passion that Mariners fans have shown this season, I mean, it, it wouldn't make the last week or so uh, hurt as bad as it has because i got to be honest – This has not been a fun week of Mariners baseball considering the stakes that are at hand, considering how close they are to ending two decades worth of frustration, but boy, oh boy, this has really tested the mettle of everybody who who covers this team, everybody who watches this team as a fan over the last week, because it has been not great tuning in and seeing them get a series loss against the A's, a series loss against the Angels, and a series loss against the Royals, the first half of what was considered to be the easiest stretch of schedule by anybody who watches Major League Baseball because then you've got the A's, you've got the Rangers, and you've got the Tigers to finish out the season at T-Mobile Park, which begins tomorrow night. I got to be honest, folks, it has not been – I've been watching games through clenched teeth over the last week or so, over the last week and a half, and the Mariners go 3-7 and on that road trip. Uh, Just leave plenty to be desired uh, as they head home now to finish out the remainder of their regular season schedule. And they have a magic number of six. It is single digits. And thankfully, they have been getting help from the Orioles. The Orioles have also played poorly over the last week and a half as they've only been able to pick up one game on the Mariners during that stretch. But, look, your lead against Baltimore has shrunk, and you also wonder, can this stop? And it gets back to how everything in baseball is contagious. Great baseball is contagious. That 14-game win streak, everybody was on their P's and Q's. Everybody was playing their role. Everybody was contributing. You had guys playing above expectation, guys meeting the expectation. Every single guy on this roster was doing their job. But now you lose Eugenio Suarez. You lose Julio Rodriguez, your two best bats in your lineup, or, or at least the two most consistent bats in your lineup this season. And now you've got to look for guys who can step up. And unfortunately, it has led to some bad baseball over the last week and a half or so. We talked to Ryan Divish on Bump and Stacy about a couple weeks ago, I want to say it was. And, and he was asked what a good team was and what a bad team was. And he said a good team was a team that finds ways to win no matter what. And, and a good team also doesn't find ways to lose. And the Mariners themselves over the last week and a half, unfortunately, have been finding ways to lose. And I don't think that disqualifies them from the from the good team label. I think this is a good team at its core. I think this is a team that it when at full strength, when at full health, they can absolutely make noise in these playoffs. 
And look, if they get the sixth seed in the American League, you're looking at a three-game series against Cleveland, a team you swept just a month ago. You've got New York following that if you advance. like That is a very feasible path to the American League Championship Series if you can can manage that, that treacherous water. The tough part, though, is that, yes, that is a very winnable path, but you got to be able to win. And right now, it has been such a, a grind, such a slog. Like Nobody said it was ever going to be easy. Nobody said that making the playoffs was going to be smooth sailing. Unfortunately, we may have counted uh, the chickens before they hatched a couple weeks ago. I, I do remember kind of thinking to myself, like, maybe this is going to be less anticlimactic than we had expected. Maybe they're just going to cruise into the playoffs, but... Boy, the the slide that they have been on has been tough to watch, but there are reasons for optimism. I mean, you've got Mitch Hanniger looking like he's busting out a little bit. He had three hits on Sunday. Ty France has, has started to heat up a little bit. You've got Cal Raleigh back in the lineup. You could potentially get Eugenio Suarez back this week. Next week is when you could get Julio Rodriguez back. So, I mean, there, there's reason for optimism. The starting pitching has been decent over the last week or so, but... Man, it, it just goes to show how contagious losing can be in, in a clubhouse. You see the the reports that there was a closed-door meeting yesterday following the game. Got to be honest, kind of surprised that it took until Sunday for that to happen. I thought it would have happened probably in the Oakland series, after, especially after that game they lost 2-1, to one, where Jesse Winker booted a ball in left field. The game's first run scored on that play. Uh, Robbie Ray looked really good that night, and I, I thought maybe that's when it was going to happen. But no, it took until Sunday uh, with an 11-2 to lead that they blow in the sixth inning. You see Kansas City putting up 11 runs in that inning. 11 runs! The Mariners hadn't given up that many runs in an inning since like 2000 against Tampa Bay. Like That is how crazy this last stretch of games has been is yeah they have been finding ways to lose and you've got to stop that you have got to nip that in the butt right now like you've got to put an end to that because these are winnable games these are games that this team should absolutely be crushing on and (sighs) Kansas City Oakland LA like these are teams that are at the bottom the very bottom of the barrel the A's are the worst team in baseball you've got the Angels that are going nowhere fast. Yes, they have Shohei Otani, uh, but boy, they have not put been able to put anything together this season. And the Royals, they're not. They just fired their president of baseball operations, Dayton Moore, like a day before the series started, and then they go take two of three from the Mariners. And then that one game the Mariners did win against Kansas City, boy, they had to really <laughs> hunker down and get a virtuoso performance from Cal Raleigh off the bench. He goes and hits the two-run game-tying home run in a pinch-hit situation for Kirk Casale. And then in the ninth inning, he goes and hits the go-ahead double to give the Mariners a lead that they would not relinquish in the bottom half of the ninth inning. So even their wins have been uh, very tough to come by over the last week and a half. But you've, like I said, you've got the opportunity in front of you. You are six games, or a magic number of six, I should say, 
from clinching, whether that be six Mariners wins, whether that be six Orioles losses, whether that be three Mariners wins, three Orioles losses, however it's going to come, that is the number that you need to be watching right now. It's six because the Mariners hold the tie break over Baltimore. You will not see one-game playoffs to get into the playoffs this year. Uh, that is something that is is gone now from Major League Baseball. So whoever holds the regular season tie break, which thank the good Lord above, the Mariners hold that right now. They hold essentially an extra game lead over Baltimore for that final playoff spot. So how do you stop this? How do you stop the bleeding? How do you get the gauze out? How do you get your first aid kit out? What's the first move you do? Well, Eugenio Suarez comes back, hopefully tomorrow, maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday, who knows. But he's expected back this week. He has been taking BP. He has been fielding grounders. That fractured fingertip, we don't know how it's going to bother him. I would imagine it is going to hurt. I imagine he is not going to be playing at 100% the rest of the season. But, boy, oh boy, is his presence in the lineup going to be a welcome sight. And then you get Julio Rodriguez back probably October 3rd, which... I really wish he was here for the games leading up to the final series of the season because that final series against the Tigers, there's going to be an opportunity. I don't know if it's going to come down to that, but if it does, you really hope that Julio's able to go. Uh, Got to be honest, I hope it doesn't come down to that Tiger series. I hope in that series the Mariners are able to kind of line up their starting rotation with the start of the playoffs. You get Castillo, you get Robbie Ray, you get Logan Gilbert or, or George Kirby, whoever it is. By the way, that Kirby-Gilbert uh, question now, both of those guys coming up with two of their worst starts of the season in their last two outings. Kirby goes his shortest outing ever, uh, going only two and a third. Logan Gilbert just labors through five. You wonder, what what is that going to look like <laughs> come playoff time if the Mariners are able to pull this off, if they're able to stop the bleeding? So Suarez is somebody that can stop the bleeding. You've also got guys in your starting rotation right now that, you know, we mentioned Kirby and Gilbert. They need to step up. Luis Castillo, he's another guy to step up. He didn't do so on Sunday. Got in trouble against the Royals, allowed them to come back into that game. And look, if you're down by a lot of runs in a baseball game, you start to gain confidence by chipping away at the lead. And that is what the Royals, I mean, they didn't necessarily chip away at the lead so much as bust the door open and say, oh, yeah, that's that's ours. And that's the thing, too, is in these games down the stretch of the season, these teams want to play spoiler. The Royals have nothing to play for, nothing to play for in the 2022 season. And yet, down 11-2 to on September 25th, they still made it a point to give the Mariners hell in that game, and boy, did they ever. 11 runs in that inning to take a 13-10 to lead. The Mariners get a couple back, make it 13-12, to but they're unable to get over the hump. And that, that, I think, is something that we all should have been mindful of heading into the final 20 games of the season is that, yeah, these teams are, are not good record-wise, but they are also chock-full of major leaguers. They are chock-full of guys who, who want to win still. These guys on Major League rosters don't get anything by tanking. They don't get to see those benefits. The benefits of tanking in Major League Baseball are paid off three, four years down the road when that number one overall draft pick finally makes it to the big leagues. These guys on on the Major League rosters right now, they don't care at all about tanking. 
So the Mariners are still going to get everybody's toughest effort. They're still going to get everybody's best effort the rest of the way. And these final 10 games, this final 10-game homestand against two divisional opponents, Oakland and Texas, two teams that do not like you because you see them all too often, which next year, thankfully, we're going to see less ALS teams uh, and, and more interleague games. You're going to not going to be seeing the same old faces time and time again. But you think Oakland and Texas want to just lay lay down and let the Mariners celebrate a, a, a wild-card title? No, they don't want to do that. You think the Tigers, a, a team that had very similar expectations to the Mariners this season, you think they want to lay down and let the Mariners celebrate a wild-card title? Probably not. So the Mariners, they're going to have to take it upon themselves if they really want to experience postseason baseball for the first time in a couple decades. We have got a lot in store for you here on Extra Innings tonight. Brandon Gustin, he's going to join me next. Also in the 8 o'clock hour, we are visited by the legend himself, the Graz, the Graz father, Dave Grosby. He's going to join me. We have got so much to get to on this edition of Extra Innings. Don't go anywhere. More to come. You are listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings Inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Welcome back into Extra Innings. Joining me now in studio, a surprise special top secret guest. It's Brandon Gustin of SeattleSports.com making up, his Curtis? regular appearance. Oh, I can't believe you're you're back again. Who would have thought? Yeah. Just well, look at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> Here we are, holding it down in the seven o'clock hour, as as we do. We're not bumped by Hawks Live tonight, no. so we're <laughs> we're we're giving the people what they want a little bit earlier here on this Monday. But Brandon, boy, last night, uh, what happened, man? <laughs> <laughs> man, the what was so interesting about that game is you rarely see one blow up inning like that, like what you saw with the Royals pitchers just having no control over the strikes on their walking guys, they're hitting guys. All of a sudden the Mariners have eight runs across the board and you're thinking like, wow, you, you don't see that a lot in baseball. All of a sudden <laughs> the script completely flipped and the Mariners lost complete control of the strike zone. And all of a sudden you're looking up and a nine run lead has just evaporated and you're down two runs. I mean, it's just unbelievable, especially for a pitching staff who we've lauded all year long, yes. a fantastic bullpen and a team that their pitchers just throw a lot of strikes and just losing complete command of the strike zone like that is something that we just really have not seen anywhere close to this level from this Mariners team this year. It reminded me of college baseball pre-dead and bats. Oh, yeah. So, like, oh, yeah. early 2000s when you'd have final scores that were, like, 18 to 16, 22 to 20. <laughs> it, it, like the big 12 football equivalent yeah, of, of baseball. Exactly. exactly. That is exactly what yesterday reminded me of uh, just in the final score and, and how it got away from the Mariners so quickly in that sixth inning. When you have a moment like that in a season, especially at this point in the season, I feel like that has got a weigh on a lot of these guys, especially with how tough wins have been coming by for the Mariners. I mean, how do you even get past that? It just seems like having a loss like that, you know, you can say you can compartmentalize it and move beyond it, but that is probably got to be playing in the back of everybody's mind heading into tomorrow's game. Yeah, and and it's where having the off day today is actually so interesting because you would initially think like okay, you're on the t- you're on the road for 10 days, you're coming back home, you're only playing at home for the rest of the year until a potential playoff berth. It's really good to have and obviously even before yesterday it was a, it was a little bit of a difficult road trip, but 
on the flip side, you'd almost kind of want to get back on the field today so you can't think about it anymore. It's like, okay, that is done. That's behind us. We have a new game. So there are definitely pros and cons to to not playing today in, in a way that you probably wouldn't have initially thought considering just when this off day was coming in between a 10-game road trip and a 10-game homestand. But like you said, you just you kind of got to flip the script. It's tough. They do play a Texas team that they, they've kind of had their number this year. They played really well against the Rangers, came away with a lot of a lot of close wins. And like, like I said, I mean, 10 games at home and with the playoffs on the line, you'd, you'd think that they should have a pretty good crowd over this next week and a half. And hopefully that can kind of energize the guys a little bit. I think they're expecting Eugenio Suarez to return to the lineup tomorrow, maybe as a DH. Uh, so just getting one of him and Julio Rodriguez back <laughs> for the next yeah. few days should, should definitely help. I think that... I think that uh, maybe not taken for granted is the is the right phrase, but I do think, especially in yesterday's game, considering the 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 play at third base by Ty France losing the balls in the sun. I mean, we all, we all know that they desperately miss the, those two guys in the lineup, but I think that they miss them a lot defensively as well. Absolutely, because now you've got guys playing out of position. Exactly. Got, I mean, yeah, Ty France came up through the minors and, and played at third base at the major league level with San Diego and early on in his Mariners tenure, but it's been what two full seasons yeah, now since he, he last he'd only, played third. He'd only played 10 games at third base for the Mariners before that first start there at the hot corner. I mean, that's a, that's a long time, and it's a completely different spot, and the ball's coming at you a lot harder, a lot faster at third base versus first base, as funny as that may seem. But, yeah, it's a, it's a completely different ball game, and it totally changes the complexion of your defense, especially because Eugenio Suarez, I mean, everybody thought he might be a defensive liability this year. He's been anything but. He's been borderline gold glove caliber third third baseman for the Mariners this year, which I don't think anybody really thought he would be that good, but that was just a that was a that was very it was very apparent that they missed he and Julio yesterday and really just the road trip in general when they were out. You mentioned Suarez is filling at third time France. In center field, you've got Jared Kelnick who's filling in for Julio Rodriguez and doing admirably, I might say, other than the misplayed ball in the sun yesterday. Exactly, yeah. But you look, I, I think more importantly, it's what Kelnick does with the bat because that has been his biggest hang up at the big league level. And so far, he has looked passable. He's, he's, looked, looked, he's looked pretty good. good. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, he's he's hitting, he's hit the ball out of the ballpark. He's hitting gaps. He's He's swinging at the right pitches. I mean, you really are not seeing him chase out of the zone. I think I've only seen one or two at-bats where I come away thinking like, okay, Jared, that breaking ball down, you got to lay off of that. But everything else, he's done a really good job of commanding the zone. I thought he kind of set the tone in that first game back where he, he draws a walk and then his next at-bat, first pitch fastball, hammers it for a home run. Next at-bat, 3-0 green light and hits a double into the gap. I thought that was just a really really good sign for somebody who's obviously had noteworthy struggles at a level that really we haven't seen at the big league level from from anybody, let alone a, a top five prospect in baseball. But he's always been good with the glove, especially in the corner outfield spots. But he definitely did make an impact in center field. Uh, that Saturday win, I think it was the eighth inning, and, and Pasquatino had a ball into the gap, and he was going for two out of the box. And Kelnick threw an absolute seed to second base to gun him down. And that was a tie game at that point, and that, that was the leadoff guy. That totally changed the, the complexion and the outcome of that inning. So it's good to see Jared affecting the game in, in so many ways, especially like like we just said, with, with Suarez and Julio out. They need, as, they need as much of a spark as they can get right now. Absolutely. And, I mean, God, just thinking of the lift that, that September Kelnick could give this Mariners lineup, especially if he – you know, if this is who he is now, or right. at least a close proximity to what he could be, especially in left field with how Winker has struggled, 
Uh, Haggerty has dealt with injury and also has definitely cooled off since that stretch he had earlier this summer. Uh, I mean, you look at the left field spot in this on this playoff roster that could potentially still, you know, th- there's still some question marks. <laughs> I got to be honest. Feel a little gun shy after this last road trip, but if the Mariners can get anything out of Kelnick going forward close to what he has done over the last week. I mean, that is somebody that not only will contribute now, but I I think you look at a a potential building block for 2023. Yeah, and as far as now, I mean, it opens it up so much with you'd have a three-man outfield, you would think of of Julio when he's healthy in center, Mitch Hanniger in right field, Jared Kelnick playing left field, and and Kelnick is a plus-plus corner outfielder. He's, He's phenomenal out there. You have Suarez back at third base. JP's normally at shortstop. Kind of figure out second base. Uh, you know, Frazier, Dylan Moore, Haggerty, you have a few options. Keeps Carlos Santana in DH. Keeps Ty France at his normal first base spot. Cal Raleigh behind the plate, assuming the thumb is okay. That That's a that's a good problem to have, right, with, with Jared Kelnick coming up and, and playing so well. And you're not really having to platoon guys as much and just kind of mix and match like it feels like they've had to do for the last three weeks to a month and that's just a it's a good feeling I think if Jared is able to kind of just keep this up while they get Suarez and Julio back which it sounds like both those guys will be back right when their IL stints for for Suarez that's Tuesday Uh, for Julio that's the first game of the Detroit series the last game of the year a week from today I mean that's a very different looking team and going into a a three-game playoff spot I mean just Jared's ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark, to to run the bases, and he's just a plus defender. I mean, that just adds a very different element to this Mariners lineup on top of all the other good things that a lot of these guys have done this year. Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com joining us in studio here on Extra Innings. And Brandon, 10 games remaining in the regular season. You've got the potential to clinch within the next four days, three or four days. As soon as Thursday. So there, you know, something could happen on that front. Who knows? How do you see the Mariners kind of working out their rotation in order to get their best three guys going in games one and two and possibly three of that wild card round? Because, I mean, you've got Chris Flexen kind of waiting in the wings. You could use him. I, I would imagine he'll get used probably during the double header. Yeah, I mean, and having Matt Boyd, who's a former yeah. starter and has kind of been a multi-inning guy for them, I think definitely helps too. And they have a few other guys that can go multiple innings. We've seen Penn Murphy do it a handful of times. Even guys like Munoz and, and Seawald have gone out and got four, five, six outs. So they've got they've got some ability to go out there and kind of mix and match and do some things. And and the good thing is the sooner they clinch, the kind of easier it is <laughs> to kind of work all that out because then, you know, you typically have the the game immediately after where you kind of take your, your foot off the gas a little bit and just kind of like soak in, hey, we're a playoff team, especially for a team like the Mariners hasn't gone since 2001, Boy, right? Yeah, so that, a couple it, decades. I, it'll, be, uh, it'll, it, it'll be cool if when that happens. And um, I, I think that getting that rotation sorted out is – Definitely going to be a little interesting to to keep an eye on, and a lot of it just kind of depends on how well they're able to do in these next few days and obviously what Baltimore's doing as the lone team right behind them. I will say, over the last couple months, the Mariners have had, like this isn't a knock on them because they when they make announcements, they can't control what happens on the field. (laughs) They love the weekend news dump, baby. announcement involving Luis Castillo is like immediately followed by the worst game of the season because when they announced the trade for Luis Castillo they were getting their doors blown off by Houston yep. that night yep. and it was like hey you know what they lost so what but we they got, got Luis, Luis Castillo. Castillo and then yesterday or well a couple like was it Saturday Saturday that news Saturday, broke Castillo's news of an extension broke and then Sunday, and then Sunday, was, Sunday. was yeah we we know what Sunday happened uh, but getting to the Castillo extension, I mean, 
How do you view the trade now that the Mariners have Castillo locked in for the next five seasons? Yeah, I mean, you always kind of thought that had to be some sort of a priority for them, just considering the the capital they gave up. And uh, you, you knew that he had just the one more year left on his deal after this year, so you're getting him for about a year and a half. And you, you had to think that just his, his age, his stuff... He's been a good pitcher for so long in this league, and at his best, we've seen he's a he's an all star to Cy Young caliber type of arm and out there, and he's got a four pitch mix. He's stellar, so definitely makes the trade look a little better just because you know that you are not going to risk that guy getting away, and he's going to be here for for five to six more years. That's that's a it's a good place for the rotation to be because you have him. Obviously, George Kirby and Logan Gilbert are are very early in their careers, so they're going to be here for a long time. Robbie Ray can be here for anywhere from two to four more years, just depending on kind of how his contract works out, whether he decides to opt out after that third year. So yeah, the rotation's in a good spot. And I think that it definitely helps with now that Castillo's kind of locked up, you had to think that was going to be an offseason priority for this team. Now the offseason priority is very clear. Basically every pitcher's locked up, bullpen's locked up. Uh, you you know what you've got on, on the pitching side of things. Does got to got to address the offense. Obviously, Mitch Haniger is going to be a free agent, and Adam Frazier. You got to figure out whether he's going to come back. Jesse Winker had a down year. He's only got one year left on his contract. You've got some holes. Is J.P. Crawford your shortstop of the future? Does he slide to second base? There's some good shortstops available. So I think that's kind of the other part of it too. Is just now that you have Castillo locked up, you really don't have to worry too much about the pitching side of things this offseason. He is Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. Follow him on Twitter at the B Gustafson. Read him on SeattleSports.com. Brandon, this is our final regular season edition of Extra Innings. If there's some playoff <laughs> baseball, do you think I could lock you down for for you, some extra innings? You in the know, playoffs? I'll have to talk to my people. Yeah. You're gonna have to talk to your people, but I I, I, yeah. I think we'll be able to to All work right. something out in a little more than 30 minutes. Dave Grosby, the Gros, the Gros father, he joins me on extra innings to kick off the 8 p.m. hour. But coming up next, Luis Castillo. He stepped to the podium today as the Mariners organization announced that sparkly new five year contract extension for their rotation. Ace, what did Castillo have to say about the deal? How did it come through? What did Jerry Depoto and Justin Hollander and John Stanton have to say about it? We take a listen to a chunk of that press conference coming your way next on Extra Innings. I'm Curtis Rogers. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Here comes his pitch. Swing and a miss. Castillo gets his 10th strikeout of the night. Jimenez rips through a 98-mile-per-hour heater. He loses his helmet as Luis Castillo has dominated tonight. Strikeout number 10, double figures for the first time in a Mariners uniform. It's weird thinking about the butterfly effect that this season has had on the Mariners going forward because you've got the 14-game winning streak in the middle of the season that kind of changed the entire trajectory of the course of this team like before the 14 game win streak this team was a fringe 500 team but then that that streak catapulted them into wildcard contention which then increased the urgency around the trade deadline and because of that the Mariners go out and make the biggest splash of really any team outside of the Padres trading for Juan Soto in acquiring Luis Castillo from the Cincinnati Reds organization and ever since Castillo has come here uh, he has been incredible. Uh, he has been a the definition of a staff ace. 
And over the weekend, the Mariners went and signed Luis Castillo to a five-year contract extension, not having to worry about his free agency following the 2023 season. He is a member of the Mariners organization for the foreseeable future. He and the Mariners brass, John Stanton, you've got President of Baseball Operations Jerry Depoto, Assistant GM Justin Hollander. They all stepped to the podium today, as did Castillo, to talk about the extension and, and what it means not just for Castillo, who is obviously very grateful, but also what it means for the Mariners organization going forward. And thanks all of you for being here today. It's an exciting day to be a Seattle Mariner and an exciting day for our franchise, historic in many respects. Our mission is to win championships, to create uh, delightful experiences for our fans, and to serve our communities. Uh, Five years ago in the winter of 2018, we set out to make some important changes and make that commitment to winning championships both a long-term and a short-term commitment, and today is evidence, further evidence of our commitment to do so. I'm incredibly appreciative of the work that Jerry Depoto and Justin Hollander did to bring this deal in and delighted, as I said to uh, Luis, upstairs, Luis and his family upstairs, delighted to have him as a mariner for a very long time. Thank you very much. Jerry? So uh, with that, I will, I'll talk a little broadly about some of what's happened here you know, with the Mariners in recent months. Obviously, dating back to August 2nd, when we, you know, the, the trade deadline, shortly before the deadline, we were able to acquire Luis Castillo and bring him over from the Cincinnati Reds. And, and, I, and I think that deal was one of the, the, the real landmark events for us in, in, in this ongoing effort to build a championship team. And, and, you know, why I think that's important is because where we are today, this, I think, is a, another of those landmark events on the heels of, of doing our extension with Julio and J.P. Crawford and, and, and signing Robbie Ray and, and starting to create the foundation of this championship team and now extending that and creating what we think is a sustainable championship quality core to move forward with. You know, and, and Luis being here with us and joining what I think now is a very formidable pitching rotation moving forward and and it starts now and it started you know the beginning of this season and what we're seeing over the course of the season is very exciting I know the last week hasn't naturally felt that way but you know it's it's this has been a wonderful journey for all of us and and this is just the next step so you know with that I'm going to kick it to to Justin and Rafa now, Justin, uh, first I will you know, tip of the cap to Justin and to Rafa for the work they did on this. They did this contract from beginning to end, and you know, obviously we had we had to get Luis to to get on board with it, and and he seemed to like Seattle, so it was uh, it was a good fit, and and really thrilled with the work that everybody did to bring this together. Thrilled to have Luis part of the Mariners for for this year and then the next five at least, and you know we look forward to what all that brings. But, for that, I'll kick it to Justin and Rafa. I don't really have much to add. I just want to thank Rafa and Elise. Um, I think when we set out on this process, and initially Jerry and I approached Rafa um, to see if he had an interest in, in doing something, it was important to everybody that we were good listeners. Uh, and we listened a lot. I think Rafa and I probably had 100 phone calls to get this done. Um, so I appreciate his patience uh, and obviously ownership's commitment to making this happen. I couldn't be more excited to, to get this done. So, Rafa? Yeah, well, I, I agree with you, Justin. Um, thank you, Jerry, John, um, and everybody in the 
organization for believing in Luis, even before uh, this uh, this contract. Um, and yeah, um, I mean, I, I don't have much to add. I'll let Luis, uh, you know, say how he feels. But uh, we're excited to be here for the next few years um, and try to get that that championship for uh, for the city of Seattle. Luis. Yep. Uh, en Spanish. <laughs> bueno, no, eh, contento por este, por ya pertenecer a una familia aquí. Eh, lo que hay que seguir tirando para adelante, trabajando duro y tratar de dar lo mejor de todo, de, de lo que tenemos en el corazón para así tener eh, la oportunidad de llevar el equipo lo más lejos que podamos. Just very happy, very happy that I'm finally able to join this family long term. Um, Got to give everything my all, um, my heart and everything. And if we're prepared to win the World Series, then, you know, let's get out there and do it. Questions for Luis for the head table? When you first acquired... Yeah, this was the plan. And, uh, you know, fortunately, again, Luis and Rafa <laughs> uh, made it a reality. But, you know, we, we acquired Luis like we have built the rest of this roster with the idea that we were building something that we wanted to, to maintain over time. And you know, I, Luis is one of the best pitchers in baseball and, and has been for quite some time. And, you know, what he's done since he's been in Seattle reinforced for us that, that he fit. And not just, and you know this is true with our club, not just what he does on the mound, but, you know, who he is as a person, what he does in the, in the clubhouse with our guys. There's, a, I think he goes by the name you know, Piedra, La Piedra, for, for a reason. You know, there's a, there is a, a presence to, to Luis every day when he steps out there that is, you know, it's good for our team. And, and as we build a championship, I, I guess, a championship model moving forward, it's important to have players like that that carry that presence. I think it was our first call. Uh, Rafa was actually in Europe, uh, and he called me to tell me that uh, he was excited that we had acquired Luis and excited about what we were building, uh, and that once he got back, he'd like to come up uh, and just spend some time with Jerry and I and uh, and see if there was something that would work for both sides. Uh, you know, Luis really valued stability uh, was the message that we got. So um, he wanted to be in Seattle. He was excited about the first week, I think, at that point that he'd had with 40,000 Mariner fans uh, cheering him on. It was a, you know, seemed like a pretty special environment to him, and we obviously worked really hard to make sure that it would be for a long time. Luis, congratulations, first of all. Just, you know, a year from now, you could have been free Luis, este, muchas felicidades primero. Este, un año, en un año, tú podías ser agente libre y firmar con cualquier equipo de la liga. Pero ¿qué fue lo que te convenció en poder quedarte aquí en Seattle? Bueno, lo, lo que más me convenció es, es la personalidad que hay aquí en este, en esta organización. Eh, al yo ver y, y venir y ver esa toda esa persona que siempre están unidas y un equipo que que está compitiendo. A mí me gusta eh, eh, 
tener como esa sensación de que cuando yo vaya al montículo, eh, tener y dar lo mejor que yo tengo para así poder llevar el equipo más adelante y competir todo el tiempo. First off, the first thing that really caught my attention was the personality of the team. Um, when I came in here and saw firsthand just the people here and how tight and competitive this team was, it was one of the things that convinced me the most. When I go up on the mount, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm giving the best that I can to go as far as I can, but also have the guys around me, you know, with the same motivation that I have. Cuando tu primer comienzo aquí fue contra Nueva York y obviamente la, la atmósfera, todo, este, había mucha eh, energía. Ya estando aquí, ¿qué más recuerdas tú de esa noche, de tu primer comienzo aquí en Seattle? Bueno, lo que yo más recuerdo esa noche que estaba un poquito nervioso porque primera salida aquí en Seattle y contra los Yankees, que es uno de los equipos que está eh, compitiendo bien. Pero lo que más me emocionó fue la fanaticada. La fanaticada, todos esos fanáticos, bastante, que yo eh, no había pichado tantas veces así con, con esos fanáticos. así Lo más importante y, y, y es que salía a dar lo mejor que yo, que yo tenía en, en, en mi brazo y gracias a Dios pudimos hacer buen trabajo. La primera cosa que that night fue que estaba nervioso. I was nervous. It was my first start here in Seattle, and it was against the Yankees, you know, one of the most competitive teams in the league. But the thing that really stood out to me were the fans. It wasn't—I hadn't really pitched that much in some type of atmosphere like that with these kind of fans. And you know, lucky enough, I was able to go out there. The most important thing was I went out there and gave the best that I could, what I had in my arm, and you know, blessed and thank God we were able to give it the win. ¿Qué tan importante fue para ti llegar aquí, ver tú personalmente todo lo que el equipo estaba haciendo, la motivación, todo lo que están metiendo en el, antes de hacer tú tu decisión de poder quedarte aquí más años? Sí, no, lo importante es que habían, eh, como está Suárez, está Winker, que yo jugué con ellos en Cincinnati. Sabe que cuando uno va a un equipo nuevo eh, y tú no conoces a nadie, tiene que empezar de cero, hacer amistades con, con las demás personas. Pero cuando llegué al Clujado vi esa motivación de todos los muchachos y, y puse en mi mente, bueno, yo tengo que incluirme aquí en este grupo y dar lo mejor que yo tengo sobre mí. I mean, it was important when I came in here that I had Suarez and Winker. But when you come into a new team like this, you kind of don't know anybody. You kind of start from zero. So I saw kind of the relationships and everything that all everybody in this clubhouse had. And I thought to myself, I got to be a part of this. And that was kind of the most important thing for me. Coming up next, more reaction to yesterday's shocking defeat at the hands of the Royals. Mike Lefko and Ryan Roland Smith will eavesdrop into their conversation from yesterday's postgame show. That's coming your way next on Extra Innings right here on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Curtis Rogers with you on this Monday night in about 15 minutes from now on Extra Innings. We will be joined by the one and only Graz, Dave Grosby. He will stop by for a conversation about these Mariners, how he sees the rest of this regular season playing out, 
and what play, what postseason baseball would mean to him here in the Northwest for the first time in two decades. But coming up right now, how do you put a game into perspective like yesterday? Because it was such an anomaly where the Mariners jump out to that 11-2 to lead and then find themselves on the losing end of it. 13 to 2 or 13 to 12 I should say is how that game ended. It reminds me of a game in 2001 where the Mariners jumped out to a 14 to 2 lead and ended up losing to Cleveland 15-14 in nine in or in extra innings I think is what how it ended. It was on Sunday night baseball. Just the shock of it all. Just kind of like you were up so much and yet still managed to lose the game. You just kind of walk around in a daze. You kind of walk around and just like, what happened? So shell-shocked after yesterday. I can't imagine having to be on the postgame show in the immediacy of a game like yesterday. Well, that is what Mike Lefko and Ryan Roland-Smith had to do yesterday following yesterday's 13-12 to loss to Kansas City. What were their immediate takeaways of this game? Well, let's take a listen in to what these two had to say. And Ryan, I don't, uh, I don't even know what to, to make of anything like that, especially for a Mariners team that pitching has been their strength all season long. What do you take away from a performance like that, just uh, on one of those tough days? Yeah, it was, uh, it was tough. It was tough to watch, especially when you're seeing guys who, you know, I spoke about Matt Brash a couple of days ago, just how he was rolling, throwing strikes, and all of a sudden your bullpen, you know, kind of implodes, uh, especially when you have that, you know, that, that outbreak of uh, offense that has been, you know, it's been tough to come by. I, I just think that, man, a road trip like this, you heard Scott Service. I was listening to his post game, you know, uh, before Shannon jumped on, and the fact he addressed the team, I think that's so important, man. You could see him after the game, if you were watching the game, you could see him all hanging out in the dugout, just stunned, just in shock, you know, in disbelief about what happened. And that energy, man, you, you don't want that kind of energy jumping on the plane, going to to be, you know, isolated on a road on a, on a um, on an off day and then rolling on Tuesday where you've got literally the most important stretch to get you into the postseason. So it was tough. It was really tough. I, I don't see the bullpen doing that a whole lot. We haven't seen that. It was obviously a one-off. But, uh, man, you have to address that as an individual real quick because you don't want to linger on you come Wednesday, Thursday, and if you're Matt Brash going, man, what happened that last day in KC? And, and you start second-guessing yourself because, you know, that, that could, you know, again um, – pop its head up again if, if, if you let it now we've seen how hitting is contagious i mean we, we saw it from both of these teams for the mariners and, and for the royals but on the flip side of that when you're pitching and you come in and you're the first guy that's called upon and then things don't go right you walk a couple guys you're that second guy sitting there the pen you come in and, and maybe something's not going right does that start to weigh on every guy as well when you just see all right you know it, it's not happening it kind of puts you in a tough mental space yeah so yeah, you know, I've been in situations where you've been in the bullpen. You got Luis Castillo on the mound, and he looked filthy. Right before that layoff, he had a thirty-minute or so layoff um, when the team was scoring a bunch of runs. So you're kind of in the bullpen, and, and this this happens, man. And you can, you know, from an outside perspective looking in, if you're a fan, you're thinking, "Hold on, you should be switched on the entire game." So you look at that, and you start to sort of project what's going to happen as far as how, who they're going to use out of the bullpen. Then you Matt Brash, all of a sudden. Game starts speeding up quick. Get loose. Luis Castillo, we're going to take him out early, et cetera. You're like, oh, man, okay. So I can hit you a little bit. Then 
you don't quite have that feel. Then if you hear Eric Swanson right behind it, like, man, what is going on? Because, again, you, you have to change your mindset. On the flip side, sometimes it works well for guys. I mean, you saw, um, you know, Cal Rawley have to come, in, come into a game, pinch hit, and, and perform. And I was like, man, I was impressed by that because it's his schedule off day. So all these little things, when you're watching it, and, and you're sitting in that bullpen, you can hear the crowd start to get louder, and, and you're starting to think, what is going on? And you start you get in that mindset, and this is what I'm talking about. This is why you have to let it go as fast as you can. This is why you want to be able to look your manager in the eye before you get on that plane. Because you can roll out, let's say I'm using Eric Swanson as an example, and you can say, what's the absolute worst that can happen? Or if I throw this pitch here, this is the this is the bad outcome. When you start letting those thoughts, you know, the intrusive thoughts creep in, man, bad stuff starts happening. So that's why you have to just address it as a day. It's an off it's an off day for the bullpen. We're all good. I'm just going to get that split over. I'm going to get ahead in the count, do the little things, and I'll be okay. But man, it can hit you hard in that fifth, sixth inning if you're not in the right mindset for sure. Well, Ryan, uh, plenty more I want to get to with you, but first, uh, let's hear from J.P. Crawford and his thoughts after this game. It's been a tough road trip. What do you what do, you do with what you guys have been through in the last 10 days? Uh, you know, taking on the chin and enjoy this out there tomorrow, regroup, and then finish strong. How, how do you bounce back from this? I mean, this is the type of service you said you guys don't bounce back. This is the type of day that could really spiral on you guys. Yeah, definitely. You just got to flush it out, you know, as much as it's going to haunt us, you know, the reality of it that we just lost. Like, you got to just forget about it, try to. You know, we got bigger games ahead of us. You can't dwell on this game. And like, we, there's nothing we could do about it now. You know, just put it in the past and move on. What was Skip's message? He said he talked to you guys in here afterwards. Oh, yeah, basically the same thing. Let's just flush it away, and we got bigger games, bigger days ahead of us. So let's get ready for that. Is this, have you ever been this excited to kind of get home, get back to your home crowd? Just, how important is that? Kind of get back home, and kind of get that energy in the home crowd and all that. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we need them right now more than ever. You know, pick us up. We need their energy. So. Um, yeah, we need them to come out and support us every these last ten games. For all six inning for you. Yeah. yeah, you know it was long. And, uh, you know it sucked. No, you know, but I know they could do about it. So, you know, it happens. Now that said, you did see the eleven runs up on the board. Do you feel like this is coming along offensively? It's it's been a challenge. You guys lose guys, guys step up. Where are you right now as an offense? Yeah, um, I think we're putting together good abs. You know, we're keeping the lineup moving. We're taking our walks, and you know, we keep having good abs. And keep doing that. We're gonna be we're gonna be all right. What does this team have left? Are you confident? You guys have ten games, eleven games left. Hell yeah. Yeah, we're solid. You know, we're going to come back. After this out there, we're going to recharge and, you know, we're going to get ready. Yeah, Ryan, uh, that was kind of an interesting final question there. What does this team have left? Because they are they're physically just battered. You know, Julio is hurt. Suarez is hurt. Raleigh keeps hurting that thumb. He's grinding and fighting through everything. And then the mental drain, I can only imagine, of trying to end this playoff drought what does this team have left, and what can this off day and home stretch do to kind of re-energize them? Yeah, some of the injuries are concerning. I think, you know, look, Suarez is he's hitting in the cage. I think he's going to be okay. He's only a few days away. You know, Julio, I, I feel like he's going to be good. Hopefully that back, you know, it's locked up, but hopefully, you know, he can come back and, and feel good enough to, 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 to get moving on that last weekend. But I think, too, when you have vocal members in your locker room and you're on the road, like, for example, Suarez and you lose Julio, it just crushes your energy. All of a sudden, you really feel it and, and the psychological effect it has on you, too. But, look, I heard JP, I heard him talk the last couple of days about, hey, look, we're in a good place. And, and, and from an inside-the-clubhouse standpoint, 
You know, he was asked that. This team was 10 games back in the month of May. He was asked the same question, and he had the same answer. So I really trust the fact that these guys are okay. I think that Scott Service, after he has that little you know, meeting and you, know, you start seeing Suarez, you start hitting the, you see him in the cage and you start getting you know, reports on Julio and everything else, and you think, okay, let's put our foot on the gas for these last 10 games. Let's have a blast. We are in a different position of what we were la- this time last year. We're in the driver's seat. By that last weekend, we should be close to – 100% health, healthy, hopefully Cal can um, you know, get through this last stretch. And then you just want to hit October 6th where you feel really good about what you're doing. You feel really good about the guys who you, you know, Robbie Ray, uh, Luis Castillo. You feel really good about those guys, you know, matching up against whoever. And the offense, you know, Mitch Hanniger, Ty France, all those guys feel really good about where they're at, at the plate. They're comfortable and settled in. And so you don't, you know, go into it because those three-game sets, man, they, they go quick. So you don't want to go in and get to that third game and, and think, man, what happened? We had zero momentum. So it's important to, to you know, kick that off on Tuesday. Yeah, I was going to say, for a team that plays with so much uh, momentum, it seems like, how big will this crowd be and how, how important will it be to get home and get that crowd that kind of was like last year in those final games uh, of, the, of the 2021 season? It's massive. And you know, any time you talk to these players and you hear them, they always allude to – the last weekend of the series. I talk about it and the players, I mean, I've, every time I bring it up, they're like, man, that just charged the batteries for this, you know, last off season we just had. That charged the batteries for Mitch Hanniger to have that mindset of saying, you know what, we're going to end this drought. So the minute they get, you know, back home and you know, you've had the off day, place is packed on a Tuesday night against the Texas Rangers and, you know, you get that first big hit and you hear the crowd just start going crazy, that first strike out of, out of the bullpen in a big spot. Yeah, that that's all that matters. Just get to that spot and then dive into um, this postseason feeling pretty good about where you're at. Can't begin to tell you how much this Mariners team needs a little bit of home cooking, and that begins tomorrow night with that series against the Texas Rangers out of T-Mobile Park. Big crowds expected all throughout the homestand, so make sure you're getting to the ballpark just in time for first pitch. When we return on Extra Innings, the Graz, Dave Grosby, he joins me coming up next right here on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network.